Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 67 of The Grid, the show that's making a list and checking it twice. That sound you hear is jingle bells. It's Christmas time here in the crossroads and everywhere, uh, at least across the United States. I'm Gabe Myers, joined usual as usual by Mike Foreman. Mike, we got to go to Jerry World this week, which is basically a winter wonderland for those of us who cover high school football. Tidehaven not able to get the job done, falling 30-14 to to Gunter in the 3A Division II state championship. No state championships for us this year, but also that means football season is over for us, Mike, and that's uh, it's always a little bittersweet. It's always a little sad when we get to this point. There's, you know, no more football games until, you know, until we hit August. Yeah, it's that's true. It, um, you know, it's always an exciting moment when someone makes it to state, but that's in the back of your mind. It's kind of like uh, Game Seven of a World Series. You know, you're excited about it, but in the back of your mind, you know that's the last baseball game. Yeah, last one for a while. But we'll we'll go ahead and spend some time on that Tidehaven Gunter game, and you know, we'll start with kind of some of the big moments in this one and. The one that stands out to both of us, it actually happened, or one that stands out to both of us, there are several, but it happens in the first quarter of the game, and Tidehaven's got fourth down and one from the 34-yard line, and you have Joseph Dodds in the backfield, and they choose to, they elect to punt the ball instead of going, instead of going for it on fourth and one, and what happens right after that is Gunter goes down and scores. And, Mike, you talked to Lucio after the game, and that's one that he, like, in the moment just immediately regretted. Yeah, he said it right out. You know, um, I've known uh, Coach Lucio for a long time, and he's never shied away from taking a gamble. Um, I thought, you know, in reality, you could say that's the right decision to punt because you don't want to give Gunter the ball at your 34-yard line. But given how explosive their offense is, and I think Tide even knew its best shot was to keep it uh, Gunner's offense off the field, I kind of thought in that moment they should go for it. And uh, he admitted after the game is what he said is, uh, I made the decision and then I spent the next 20 minutes on the headset saying, why did I do that? So... Uh, yeah, it's it's always easy to look back. Hindsight, you know, is is always easy. But uh, yeah, I'm sure if it if he had to do over again, he would have gone for it. Yeah, and it's one that you know at that point it was seven to three. Tidehaven was ahead in the game. We were you know late in the first quarter at that point. You know, we were kind of getting to the start of the second, or it might it might have been early in the second quarter when that happened. But Gunter on the ensuing drive, they had a fourth and one, and they went for it and got it. Little two yard run. Their quarterback, who is yeah. you know about half my size, yeah. was, but he's a player. That you know that kid was a player though. They go for it on fourth and one, and they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive, which that's that was kind of a, a momentum swinging moment because Tidehaven picks up. The, you know you have Joseph Dodds in the backfield. You're you're confident you can get the yard when you need it. If Tidehaven gets that first down, let's say they go down to score and go up multiple scores early yeah. in the game, that that's something that could completely change just 
the way the game is played for the rest of it. So that was a momentum shift. Another one was the uh, was the injury to defensive lineman Justin Griffith, and I wrote about this in my piece. You know, after the game, my, my you know my sidebar where. Gunter's offense got off the ground when Big Forty Four went out of the yeah. game. Oh, and and they were you could see them. They're running exactly to where he was a lot of times, and uh, this affected tight even both sides because, uh, like uh, Coach Lucio said, he's responsible for blocking the edge, yeah. and that's a big deal for. Well, yeah, Dodds. Griffith plays tight end as yeah, well. Yeah, so uh, you know Dodds. Uh, they obviously in the second half, Gunter came out to stop uh, Dodds. But without Griffith, I mean, that made a huge mm-hmm. difference. So, uh, yeah, his I I think uh, they were down what by uh, they were down by three. It was seventeen fourteen yeah, when, when he, he went, went out. out. And I I th- uh, when he went out, I you kind of had the feeling that that was going to be it. Yeah, because they were holding on. You know, Gunner's run game is they're very disciplined. What they do, they do very very well. But Tidehaven was able to hold on defensively, and it felt like. Late in the first half and into the third quarter, it felt like Tidehaven's defense had figured out some things. They were reading the keys correctly, and it was sometimes it gets really simple. And what I loved what Tidehaven was doing, where they'd have Justin Griffith line up on the edge of one side of the defensive line, and Yakin Duran line up at linebacker on the other side, just basically say, "Hey, you have to run at one of them. Yeah. You can't avoid both. You got to run at one of our studs." <laughs> and it was actually, you know, and it was working really, really well. But Griffith comes out of the game. You can't clone Yakin Duran, so he's only playing on one side, right. and that really it allowed Gunner's run game to really get going. And that's when the explosive plays began to happen on offense and. Gunner's defense really keyed in on Dodds in oh, the sec yeah. in the second half. That was one, you know, because Dodds had the he had a sixty one yard touchdown run. He had I think it was a thirty eight yard run to get him down to the two yard line, which you know eventually they got backed up and Dodds catches a touchdown. That was the first score of the game. Gunner's Gunner's defense came out in the second half and said, "Hey." We don't think he can beat us over the top, or we're going to dare you to beat us over the top. We're not letting number five beat us anymore. And losing Justin Griffith, who was a big part of their blocking, but also a big, potentially a big target in the passing game, where if you just leave him one-on-one, he can go and just win the one-on-one matchup and potentially break a tackle and make something happen. You take one of those playmakers off the field, especially in, you know, sub-5A football and 3A Division II football, you lose one stud athlete. That's the for a team that makes a world of a difference versus if you're talking about 6A where some of these teams just have guys yeah. on guys on guys. You know, Tidehaven Gunner, you got dudes going both ways like this. You lose one guy who's a stud, that changes the whole complexion of the game. So that's one. And then kind of the other thing, we mentioned that Gunner's defense began to key in on Dodds. And passing opportunities in the passing game opened up there were you know three or four big drops in the second half where if these balls are caught again it's it's something that change just changes the way the game plays out because it extends tidehaven drives it gets them into gunner territory it puts them in position to score and take the lead and those plays weren't made, so those things did not happen. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, there was one I remember would have been a first down. Instead, they have to punt. Yeah. Another, which probably would have been a touchdown. Which, At least gotten them into the red yeah, zone. Yeah, and uh, I mean, gosh, uh, those are huge plays that, that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, you cannot afford uh, – you, you, you just cannot afford to make – those kind of plays against a team like Gunner. You've got to convert. 
And you know, the other thing, and we really haven't talked about it, Tidehaven never really got any breaks in that game. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was that fumble on the goal line where the quarterback tries to mm -hmm. dive into the end zone. That ball bounces a different way. And wait a minute, Tidehaven's mm -hmm. got it and still has a 7-3 mm -hmm. lead. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that those kind of things happen. And, uh, you know, there's and there's another factor here, which I don't, you know, Coach Lucio wouldn't bring it up. But I'm going to. Well, you brought it up last week, and so you're I'm staying bring consistent. I'm going to bring it up again. <laughs> the travel factor. To me, Tidehaven lost a whole day of practice by that travel. And Gunner, as an hour away, had its normal schedule. And when you're playing a team like Gunner, another day of practice is so valuable because you have to be able to read your keys and you have to lock into that offense. Now, I'm not saying that Tide even would have won if they had done that. All I'm saying is that anybody who says that teams close by that stadium don't have an advantage is just not right. And, uh, you know, I spoke to this with Coach Herring again last night at, uh, at Ernest Campbell signing. Um, it's a huge advantage, and you know, for a team that has to travel. And uh, well, Ty Davin, they traveled six hours on a bus compared right. to Gunner, who's An sixty-two hour. miles away. Yeah. So I mean, not to mention that means Ty Davin, they didn't have to. I guess they could have traveled all day Thursday, but they chose to travel Wednesday and stay overnight. Well, I'm sure they they probably. I think they worked out before they left. They may have stopped along the way, and they had their walkthrough in a hotel ballroom. Well, okay, you can do that, but it's it's not the same, especially when you're talking about 16- and 17-year-old kids that get into a routine. That is so important. And, uh, you know, I... You know, I guess I can preach about this till you know till the cows come home. But the fact is, it's not going to change because uh, AT and T. I mean, obviously Jerry is uh, Jerry Jones is making UIL quite a deal, and you know I know kids playing there. The other idea that I had, which unfortunately I guess because of TV might not play out, but I'd like to see him make it a two week thing. So, therefore, your smaller schools don't have to play on Wednesday, Thursday. They could play on a Friday and a Saturday. That would give teams more time to stay on their normal schedule. Of course, you know, TV likes to having all the games at once. Yeah, but. it makes for a good TV product, and it that I don't think would happen. What's more likely is you move to something where it's a rotation between Houston, Dallas. Yeah. Maybe you throw San Antonio in there with the Alamo Dome potentially – that that feels more likely but yeah. it is i mean the north texas schools do i mean there, there's no question that it's an advantage when you have a school you know tight even going six hours gunner going 60 miles it is an advantage again and i think mike said this and i'll make it clear we're not saying tight even would have won no. if the game was played in houston gunners are really really good team yeah. and Mike had mentioned Ty Davin didn't get any breaks, and they probably needed a couple of breaks yeah. in that. They needed a couple of breaks in that game. If that you know, if that fumble bounces their way and they're able to recover it, that might have been something that could have turned the tide a little bit. Because Gunner is they've won what is it, thirty two games in a row uh, now, thirty one, thirty two, yeah. something like that. And, the, yeah, and, and that's the case for a reason. They yeah. are a really, really good team. Yeah, they're very deserving state champion. I mean, they beat Canadian. Yeah. 
to get there, which is a perennial power. So nothing, taking nothing away from Gunner or anything away that last year from Howley, who, you know, soundly beat Refurio. Yeah. But anybody who watched Refurio last year and then watched him in that state final cannot tell me that they played up to their standard. And even Tidehaven, I think, would argue that they didn't play their best game. Yeah, Tidehaven, Tidehaven definitely didn't play their. They didn't play their best game. I think Gunner had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Gunner, what stood out to me was the quickness of Gunner's defensive line. You know, they were. I thought they did a couple of good things. Number one was they always got multiple guys to dodge, except yeah. on a couple of big runs. Yeah. And the first guy in would always try to wrap up his ankles. I talked to Coach Lucio yesterday on signing day because I was at yeah. Joseph Dodds' signing over there at Tidehaven. And Lucio said, you know, I think he's going to like college better because guys won't be diving at his ankles all the time. But I thought Gunner did a really good job. First guy, like, kind of wrap up the legs, like almost like you're lassoing a bull. like Or, you know, you're lassoing something. Like, first guy, wrap up the legs. Second guy, go and hit him up top so he can't start to power through these tackles. I thought Gunner did a good job of that. The other thing they did a good job of was they just got right in the face of Kale Russell, who accurate passer, and, we, you know, they dropped some passes. Some of the balls, you know, the ball got where it needed to be. But they got in Kale Russell's face, and Kale Russell is not a really big guy. So yeah. you put some of these big athletic defensive linemen right in his face, just makes it hard for any quarterback. And that's that's something I thought Gunner did very well was just the athleticism of their defensive front clearly gave Tidehaven's offensive line issues. Yeah, and and really though, to Tidehaven's credit, with the exception of the uh, big pass play for a touchdown, which. Uh, I think it wasn't so much. It was a missed tackle, but I think it was a bad angle to the ball. It carried. was a bad angle and a and a SFA committed yeah. wide receiver. I talked to Coach Colby Carthel yeah. on the field, and he's like, "Yeah, we got that kid." Yeah. But it was an SF a Stephen F. Austin football commit just getting the ball in his hands in space and making a play. Yeah, and uh, but other than that, you know they they did a good job of limiting big plays. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had to be pleased about that. But uh, you know. Uh, we we've said it before it's not easy to make it and uh you when you get there uh you got to play play almost perfectly to win that game yeah especially when you're up against a, a team like gunner who is defending state champions joseph dodd said this after the game you know they they've been here before you could yeah. he felt he felt like you could see that play out over the course of the game they had been in this moment before and what was so what was impressive to me about gunner was Ty David had been a second-half team in this yeah. postseason. They had come back against post. They had come back against Dangerfield in the previous two rounds. So you go in, Ty David kind of has the momentum going into the, yeah. into, into, into the locker room. It's 17-14, Gunners ahead. And you're thinking, man, Ty David's got this game kind of right where they want it. Dodge has broken off a couple of big runs. The defense is figuring things out. And it was Gunner who was the team who had the massive second half. So really, really impressed with them. Ty David... Best season in 43 years. They fall just short. And, you know, they got, you know, talked to Lucio yesterday. They got some guys coming back. But yeah. they're also, you know, jo- Justin Griffith and namely Joseph Dodds. Those are uh, people. Losses. Those are guys that are not easy to replace. Yesterday at Dodds' signing, Lucio said, uh, come move back, you know, come have five kids and then move <laughs> back over here. Yeah. Uh, but Joseph, we'll talk about him more and other signings in the area right after we hear this message from White Trash Services. National sign, early National Signing Day yesterday. We had some area athletes put pen to paper and commit to play Division One college football. Always exciting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do? 
thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off uh, companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. We are back. Episode 67 of The Grid. We're recording this on Thursday, December 21st. Yesterday, Wednesday, December 20th, was early National Signing Day across college football. You had players from all over the country and all over the crossroads sign, you know, putting pen to paper, signing their letter of intent to play Division One college football. And, Mike, we'll start with you know the first one of the day in our area where you were in Bay City, Carlon Jones joining USC, much to the dismay of Mike Foreman, who's a UCLA alum. <laughs> Uh, so he's going to be terrorizing Mike's Bruins for the next few years. But Carlon Jones, you know the bet, you know the best lineman in this area, putting pen to paper, and he's joining the he's joining Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. Yeah, it's bad enough. Uh, SC stole the Bruins' defensive coordinator. Uh, now they get a player out of Bay City. Uh, kind of interesting turn of events there for Carlon. Uh, for a long time, you know, he's committed to Nebraska. But I think as the season went on, people saw how good a player he was. Well, he got his fourth star from 24-7 yeah. sports kind of late, like about week 9, 10 of the season. And, you know, uh, he did that with his performance. So I have to give him a lot of credit. He earned what he did. Um, then Ohio State actually came in and offered him. And uh, after that, he decommitted from Nebraska. And a lot of people, I guess, assumed he would go to Ohio State. Um, and then, of course, SC offered and Alabama offered. So he had some big-time offers. Uh, he went and visited Ohio State, and then last weekend he actually went out to USC, and uh, that's where he committed. Uh, I, I, he told me a big part of the decision, which, you know, you don't usually hear this, but uh, he wants to design clothes. And he feels like being in L.A. was a perfect place, which I, I guess I have to agree. So, uh, and, you know, let's face it, uh, SC had a terrible defense last year. and uh, They've had a lot of guys exit via the portal yeah. and a lot of guys, you know, yeah. come in and a new defensive yeah. staff come in. Yeah, and uh, Riley's under a lot of pressure there to get a better defense. So, uh, I think that's what Carlon was kind of looking at, too. You know, he figures, hey – I'll get an opportunity right away. They're trying to build up the defense. So it, it, it worked out for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I'm, when I saw that he visited Columbus, Ohio State's been a recruiting power here. Recent, they can't beat Michigan lately, but they recruit right. as well as anybody. When he went to Columbus, I thought, okay, he's not leaving there without mm -hmm. committing. There's there's no way 
the the uh, staff at Ohio State is going to let that happen. But he left there, and then when he left USC, and I saw he wasn't visiting Alabama, it's like, oh, that uh, yeah, something must have happened out there. And that's actually what you said about, and I read it in your article, wanting to design clothes and doing that as a post football career type of thing. Los Angeles being the place to get that off the ground. And that's, you know, USC, they always kind of have celebrities hanging around their football practice. That's something Pete Carroll started yeah. doing, you know, 20 years ago. And I feel like you almost see that influence still holding because USC's got such a big and popular brand among celebrities. And, you know, good on Carlon for looking ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really uh, have nothing but admiration for that. I mean, uh, it shows he's thinking, you know, ahead. So, uh, you know, I wish him well out there. I just not too well when they play the Bruins. <laughs> yeah, he can maybe go a little bit easy in that one. So right after Carlon Jones got done signing, he headed right on down the road to El Mayton and Tidehaven High School where Joseph Dodds was putting pen to paper to sign his letter of intent to go to Baylor. I was there for that one. And it was, a, you know, for Lucio, it was a bittersweet day because he, you know, watched, you know, one of the best players in history of the program, you know, kind of officially start the next chapter of his uh of his football career and and talking to Dodd, you know, he in the summer he picked up a lot of traction. He was getting some SEC offers. He, you know, he had, you know, he had no shortage of options as far as where to go and play running back. And I think everybody, the later he got in the process, the more people watched him, the more people were impressed with him. He said the reason he committed to Baylor was just he he mentioned hospitality over and over again. That when he went on the visits, he felt you he just felt the hospitality. He felt the family. He felt the culture. He felt, I, you know, one thing he said, I just want teammates who are going to work alongside me, alongside me and grind with me. And what he values it, he just thinks Baylor clears in that department and it gives him the best opportunity. And Baylor, people forget the last two years have been disappointing, but they're only two seasons removed from a Big 12 championship and a Sugar Bowl under Dave Aranda. And the last couple of years have been disappointing. They went three and nine this year, but... Joseph Dodd's coming in. He thinks, you know, Baylor fits what he wants to do and also that he can go in and help contribute to winning right away. And David Lucio is a guy who couldn't be higher, uh, you know, couldn't be higher on Dodds. He says he's Eric Dickerson mixed with Denzel Washington. So best line we've had in the crossroads yeah. this year. But Joseph yeah. Dodd's on his way to Baylor University. Yeah, and what people don't probably remember is this is really the first season that Dodds was healthy mm -hmm. for the whole season. And I think that opened up some eyes. I mean, we had seen glimpses of what he could do. But this year he showed you kind of the whole package. And the other thing that shouldn't be neglected is he can catch the ball. Well, I mean, and you, you saw, saw it in these playoff yeah. games. Yeah, you saw the catch he made in, uh, to send the game to overtime against Dangerfield. Yeah. And then the catch he made in the end zone against Gunner. The opening touchdown. Tremendous catch. And, uh, you know, he told me, he said, I've always been able to catch. So, uh, you know, that's a big plus for him, too. So, I think Baylor got a, got themselves, a, you know, just a really good running back. And a ready-made guy physically as well. He stands about 5'11", 6 feet tall. He's already 210, 215 pounds. So, he's not a guy who – Coming out of high school, it's like, oh, well, we need him to put on 15 pounds of muscle before he can play the college game. No, physically, the body is there. It's just a matter of 
going from 3AD2 football into the Big 12, how quickly can he get acclimated to the speed of the game? But the physical traits, the skill set, the ability is all there. And Joseph Dodds is someone that I think, you know, has a good chance to be on the field here this fall. So that's an exciting one. Mike, after you were done in Bay City, you went out to El Campo. Oliver Miles signing to Texas Tech. Joey McGuire putting together one of the best classes in the history of uh, Texas Tech football. And Oliver Miles is a part of that. Yeah, Miles has been committed for quite a while. Uh, and it, it was kind of weird because he had a very, uh, you know, his season was shortened by injuries. He only played actually three games. So he uh, really didn't get to show that much this year. But um, I'll give you an example of what his impact was. Uh, they went down uh, Corpus and beat Veterans Memorial. Yeah. And um, one of the uh, El Campo people told me he was sitting in the stands and uh, the Miller scouts were there looking at Veterans Memorial. And, uh, and Miller, I think, had just played yeah, El Campo the week before did, or two weeks prior. Him. Yeah, and the Miller scouts that were asking, who is this guy? He, you know, we, and he told them, he said, yeah, he didn't play against y'all. And they were like, well, we're glad he didn't, <laughs> you know, because – he makes a big impact, and where and where he he makes the impact and where he'll play is in the secondary. That's where he'll play at Tech. And what they got is just an outstanding overall athlete. Um, Oliver was our uh, MVP in all area basketball team last year. He also played baseball and he uh, triple jumped fifty feet ten inches, which. Uh, won the uh, state 4A track meet last year. So you can see he's just a great all-around athlete, really good uh, person, too, on top of that. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Joey McGuire's really pleased to get uh, get Oliver Miles up to Lubbock. Yeah, I'm curious to see where he ends up playing in the secondary. I know he was playing safety down at El Campo. Is he someone that, you know, could potentially move to corner? Do they keep him out at safety? You know, it'll be interesting. You know, an athlete like that, you can – you know, I think a defensive coordinator gets excited because you kind of just see him as a chess piece, as a guy who can maybe do a little bit of everything. Mike, you were a busy man yesterday. You went down to Refurio later in the day. Ernest Campbell, the fastest kid in the state of Texas. That's not opinion. That is fact, folks. Yeah. The fastest kid in the state of Texas. Ernest the Flash signing to Texas A&M and uh, the, uh, Mike Elko keeping the, keeping the fastest man in College Station. Yeah, that that was interesting because I I kept checking A and M signing list yesterday, and I never saw Anders's name on it. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Something weird. So, uh, but I went down and uh, he signed with A and M. He just actually did not sign till uh, yesterday evening. So, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, Obviously, speed now, here's the thing. Uh, Ernest uh, also wants to win track at A&M, which has an outstanding track and field program. Um, you know, with Ernie, um, I think it's fair to say that he didn't get to show his true – what his true impact could be this season at Refurio. But, uh, you know, uh, he'll get that opportunity at A&M and, uh, of course, the obvious question with him is um, his size. You know, he's about 5'7", maybe 150. Uh, I think 150 is being generous. Yeah, it probably is. But, uh, you know, you're going to see him returning kicks, I think, uh, in the slot, you know. And I thought he made a good point. He, he, he pointed to uh, 
you know, Tyreek Hill and people like that. Well, Tank Dell for Tank the Texans before that, his injury, he was yeah. having an outstanding rookie yeah, season. Yeah, in fact, Tank Dell, he said, is one of the guys he models himself after. Uh, so, you know, and Ernest, I'm going to tell you what, Ernest is uh, he's a, he's smart. He's tough, too. You know, he's not shy of contact, although obviously his size is better mm-hmm. to avoid it. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, if A&M will use him right, uh, he could be a good player for them. And if it doesn't work out, hey, he could be a track star. Yeah, I think, you know, could be. I th- you know, Ernest Campbell's going to make some noise somewhere in College Station. I'm I'm very curious to see. We don't know what A&M's going to look like offensively. We don't know what the Mike Elko team's going to do on that side of the ball. I'm very interested to see how they use Ernest Campbell. It, is he someone who gets into camp and they're immediately like, look, he's just too fast to keep on the field. Let, can we get the ball to him five times a game and see if he can, you know, break away? I'm, I'm interested to see how Texas A&M uses him because he's just such an exciting, dynamic player with his speed. Very interested to see that. But if not, hey, the U.S. Olympic team always needs track stars. Yeah. And Ernest Campbell's running 10 twos as a junior in high school in the hundred. So. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna make his name somewhere. We'll be seeing him compete high-level college athletics one way or another. We weren't able to get out to every signing yesterday, and one we had a high-profile one, Roger Gradney, receiver from Rice Consolidated. He's going out to Nebraska, and that, you know, Nebraska they had a number one quarterback in the country, Dylan Rayola, flipped him from Georgia for a while. They had Carlon Jones, but he ended up going to USC. Roger Gradney, a four-star recruit via 24-7. He is on his way to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Is that, you know, Mike, in Nebraska's heyday, they were recruiting the state of Texas and getting kids from there. Maybe now Matt Rule's looking to go back down that route as he, you know, grabs Roger Gradney from the state. Obviously, they were heavily in on Carlon Jones. Yeah, well, there's no question. They have a uh, heavy presence here in uh, Texas, you know, as far as recruiting. In fact, you know, they hired Susan Elsa from the UIL to go up there and be on their staff. Uh, I think what uh, Matt Rule put the emphasis on a lot this year was speed. And I think he was looking for athletes who could run. And uh, that's why I think he went after Gradney. He's a good, you know, kind of utility guy that you can put probably at a couple of different places, but he can run. And and that's the thing I think that Rule was looking at. Yeah, and, you know, this is something with Nebraska that – so you, they bring in Dylan Rayola from Georgia, the number one high school quarterback recruit in the country. Nebraska was – these are the only teams Nebraska was ahead of in passing offense last year. The service academies, Air Force, Army, and Navy in Iowa, for who all intents and purposes is a service academy offense, at least with the passing game. So those are the only teams Nebraska was better than throwing the football this year. So getting number one quarterback, getting Gradney, a four-star receiver out of Rice Consolidated. They've made you mentioned the speed. They're an emphasis on we need to get better throwing the football. So Nebraska making moves in that direction. Speaking of quarterbacks, Zach Taylor from Yokum Service Academies. Outstanding athlete from Yoakum. He's on his way to Army. And, Mike, you got to see him play a couple of times this year. He is a, an explosive and dynamic kid. Yeah, he's explosive, dynamic, and he, he's also, I, I thought, a uh, very intelligent quarterback. He makes good decisions. Well, you don't get in the West Point without no. being intelligent. And, he, you know, he makes good decisions. Now, whether or not, you know, We've seen this with Army, Navy. Uh, they'll take quarterbacks and turn them into wide receivers or defensive backs. I, 
I have no idea where they want Zach to play at Army, but uh, I think he could play a number of positions. Well, he's a taller, lankier yeah. guy, too, so it, it'll be interesting because he is, you know, a good enough athlete to kind of play all over the place. And usually in that, you know, in the triple option, you want quarterbacks are typically a little bit shorter. You want them to be, you know, a little short striders, more quick than fast. But Taylor, an outstanding athlete, someone who can, like you said, you could see him play in multiple positions. Curious to see what they do with him. But he was, you know, a newcomer to this area. And he, you know, he definitely made an impact for Yoakum this season. And then Nathan Lucian from Quero, part of UTRGV's first signing class. He's going down there with a Travis Bush and company down to the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. Yeah, Nathan, um, he kind of came into the picture last year during the playoffs, made some big catches for Quero, actually caught the game winner in their uh, by-district game in overtime. Um, may have not had as many touches this year as he did last year, but obviously uh, – Rio Grand Valley, you know, this I believe this is their first recruiting class. It is. And uh, he's part of that. Uh, I guess uh, I think to be fair, we can say it's going to take him a little time to be competitive. But it always helps you get these guys in there and, you know, give them some work and let them get ready. Yeah. I mean, look, they're a brand-new football program, so it is, it is going to take some time. They're not going to come in and be – contenders right off the bat they got to get the it's like anytime an expansion organization joins one of these pro joins one of these pro leagues it just takes some time to get everything off the ground so but nathan lucian good for him going to utrgv hey some great mexican food down there you're gonna you're gonna eat well down in the rio grande valley but we had you know it was you know this last week was was really cool because we got to see just so many of these kids you know talk about the talent in this area and you saw that on display what do we have here seven eight guys who were commit you know committing to go go and play division one football and you know and uh don't forget in february we're gonna have a bunch more yeah in february we're gonna have a lot more i know if any of y'all who keep up with victoria east they're maybe not division one guys necessarily but victoria east you know Charlie Reeve and that staff are doing an outstanding job of getting those kids offers west the offers starting to come in for some of those seniors as well and of course guys are you know players around the area whether it be Refurio, whether it be Refurio, Ganado, Cuero you're going to see just more and more players start to kind of pile in offers as we get closer to the traditional signing day which happens the that happens the first week of February so Good day for the talent in the area. Good day for the families. Good day for the kids. Fun day for us getting to go around to all these places and see all see all the happy faces because you know just, you see all the happy faces as football season comes to its kind of official conclusion here in the uh, here in the crossroads. And of course, there's always the uh, question you get asked: Did they have cake? So the, uh, Dodge did have cake. Yeah, I, I did not. I did not participate in the. I did not participate in the cake. I, I'm not above doing that. Yeah, I did. Well, I, I, I know Jones did. I think uh, Miles did, and uh, I know Ernie uh, had. They had cupcakes. So uh, I actually prefer cupcakes. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. I prefer. Yeah. I prefer a cupcake. So, yeah, so for all those out there who are listening to this, cupcakes yeah. that you're. Yeah, it's great how uh, parents will uh, bring the, bring this kind of stuff into the signings. You know, always makes it uh, makes it good. And it's, I'm, I think it's great. You know, I mean, uh, these kids. I mean, they've worked hard. They're talented, no doubt, but uh, they worked hard, and it's good they get to celebrate. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see. You know, I'm excited to watch on Saturdays going forward. You know, it was fun this year seeing you know Jonathan Brooks and the impact he had at Texas. Jordan Whittington is going to be playing in the college football playoff. I'm excited to see you know Carlon Jones, Joseph Dodge, Oliver Miles, Ernest Campbell, etc. All these guys as we their futures progress. Excited to see them playing on Saturdays and little old us being back here. Hey, we saw you play in high school, so it's gonna. Yeah, I'm excited to follow their uh, their college football careers. We're going to hear this message from Thriving Financial. And, guys, it's officially basketball season. How do I know that? Because Mike Foreman was out on the basketball court this week. That's how I know it. Basketball season is here. East and West in action. We'll be right back. Thriving is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back. Episode 67 of The Grid. Guys, basketball season's officially here. No more football games. Mike Foreman out on the basketball court this week. So that's the, I mean, that's as much a signal as any that we are deep in the heart of basketball season here in the state of Texas and in the crossroads. Mike, you were at Victoria East this week. The girls played their their zone, their 29-5A zone opener. I can't wait to get rid of these zones yeah. and realignment. The zone opener against Gregory Portland. And I watched East this year and I was impressed. And it looks like they, you know, had another impressive performance against GP, who typically is a pretty good, you know, pretty solid program over in the uh, girls basketball in 29 5A. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I walked in the gym and people were kind of looking at me like, you know, what are you doing here? But, uh, of course, last year, I, I don't believe, I, I don't know if I ever saw East. I know the year before I did. But, um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect, you know, and uh, I was impressed. Uh, Yolanda, I'm not surprised that Yolanda Wimbish North, you know, has done a good job, and especially with Jan LaHudney assisting her. But uh, I love their two guards. Yeah, they uh, uh, the Valentine and then uh, uh, Sanaya Randall. Randall. Yeah, Avery Valentine, Sanaya Randall, two great guards, and they actually have some post players this year. So that's what impressed me is they can play. Inside out, outside in, you know, uh, you can't just attack their guards because uh, they can get the ball into their post. And they players. have size on the wing as well. Yeah. So Randall and Valentine are really good. They're quick, but they are a little undersized. But they yeah. have some They have some players who are who have a little bit more size, have a little bit more length, that can yeah. handle the ball, play inside and out. So it, it brings uh, some versatility to that. Yeah, with Nevia Sanchez, you know, on the wing yeah. there, that helps. Uh, uh, Sanchez impressed me when yeah. I had watched him a while so, back. So, I mean, they, they've got a good team there. Um, I, I think maybe uh, Coach North would like to have maybe a little more depth. Mm-hmm. But she does have people she can bring off the bench and uh, – she, you know, that was an impressive. Uh, she was upset because uh, her big people, her post players, missed a lot of layups, and that 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 didn't sit well with them. But uh, overall, I think uh, the more they play together, I think uh, they have a chance to, you know to uh, win that zone and uh, who knows, maybe make a little run. Something that I thought, because I watched them, it was only like their fourth or fifth game of the year. This was this was still back in November around Thanksgiving time. 
they look so cohesive for it being so early in the year. And that's what impressed me about them. They look, because you, you get these teams early in the season, and it, it's usually disjointed. Everyone's kind of all over the place. East looked cohesive to me. Did you get that sense watching them the other day? Yeah, for the most part. There were times that they still got out of their what they wanted to do. I mean, they'd have these little lulls maybe. I think GP might have scored at one point. I think it was like a 8-2 run or yeah. something where they just looked a little out of sync. But for the most part, yeah, I thought uh, they played together well. Yeah, that's something that impressed me about uh, East earlier in the year. While you were at East, I was at West. Going against Corpus Christi Carroll, 29-5A zone crossover action. Again, looking forward to getting rid of these zones. And Corpus Christi Carroll, they really jumped out. Uh, they really jumped out on Victoria West, winning uh, 68-58 and a 10-point loss, Mike. And this was the difference in the game. Carroll started off the game on an 11-0 run. And that, you know, West got it down. I think they got it down to four at one point, but they could never really just quite get over that hump. And Carroll just held them at arm's length and hung on for a victory. And West, I don't I don't so much worry about West scoring the basketball. Kind of once they got out of the first couple of minutes of the game, the offense came, they generated good shots. They do have some they do have some balance. They actually have a freshman uh, Luke Knight, he came in off the bench. He was kind of the, he was their sixth man the other night. He came in and scored eleven points off the bench. Just you know, just a freshman, little undersized guard, but doesn't play like a freshman. Knows what he's supposed to do. Is in the right spots. Doesn't make bad decisions. Is cool, composed with the basketball. Sean Meddy, I think, is a really good point guard. The issue for West, what I've watched him twice now. What concerns me is the rebounding. Pat Riley used to say, no rebounds, no yeah. rings. And Victoria West, both times I've watched them, has really, even when they won comfortably when I watched them earlier this year, they struggled to rebound the basketball. And that's something that can really rear its ugly head in district time, playing against quality opponents. You can't rebound. You, you're giving up second chance points. You can't end possessions defensively. That can be a real problem as we move forward in the schedule. Yeah, that's true. Uh you got to be able to rebound and uh you know we'll see how how this thing works out uh teams are now uh you know you get to the first of the year and it really is basketball season i mean uh you know even teams that had a little bit of playoff run are starting to get all their players in yeah. there practice together and so that you know they really should start getting things together after you know after this because uh well, coming up, I think uh, we, we mentioned the Mike Smith. The Mike, the Mike Smith tournament's yeah. next week. The yeah. dead period for high school athletics starts tomorrow, and it yeah. ends, you know, the day Mike Smith starts. Yeah, so we'll see. That'll be a good opportunity for West to play a lot of games, yeah. you know, and kind of get things together. So uh, we'll see how that works out for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to watch that one. East will be there as well. Calhoun's another area school that will – be out there at Victoria West. So I, I, that's a good – I love these tournaments and non-district play because you get to play a lot of games in a short amount of time for coaches. You can tinker with stuff, and it gives you – you can start solving stuff very quickly when you get to play so many games very quickly because you – it's one thing to say in practice, hey, we have to do this, we have to do that. But when teams are taking advantage mm -hmm. of it on the floor, 
it's uh it's it becomes an easier time to teach your players stuff and something coach mcdonald over at victoria west said to me after their loss against carroll was you know rebounding is just effort and concentration yeah. so kind of you know call almost calling his guys out in a sense of we just it is this isn't a you know we are a little undersized but we yeah. just have to go and do it there's no yeah. magic solution to rebounding you just got to go get the freaking basketball <laughs> yeah and that'll be interesting if calhoun comes in because uh a, a, a coach uh calhoun's coached by pat erskine mm. Which who was the head basketball coach at West and uh, well that's actually the first game of the yeah, tournament eight thirty a.m. and so him and Cody you know will be able to kind of square off I know Pat had a rough year his first year at Calhoun but uh, I'm sure that'll bring back some memories for him yeah so that'll that'll be interesting I'm, ex- I'm excited I love these all day basketball tournaments because that's where I'm going to be all day <laughs> so fun fun for me while Mike goes stays back and does the real work over here. I'm just about going to wrap us up this week. But before we get done on the grid and send you off on your Christmas holiday where you can eat and spend time with family and open presents and watch football and basketball, the NFL is taking over Christmas Day a little bit now. All area nominations. We're starting to get them in for volleyball. Coaches, thank you if you have turned them in already. Thank you very much for that. We are getting those in. If you've sent them in, we have got them. If you haven't sent them in, coaches, please send in your all-area volleyball nominations, and Mike is going to start getting on y'all about all-area football as well. Yeah, I'm, that's my intention for the rest of the day is to get that out. And uh, let me uh, put it out there, the email, sports at vicad.com. Send them to that email address. Include, you know, we want positions, we want great classifications. Of course, statistics help. And as I'm going to put this in the email, and uh, I can't speak for volleyball, but I'm going to speak for football. If you send me a nomination, I promise you that player will at least get honorable mention. Yeah, the, so, the same goes for volleyball Yeah, as well. so if you want your players recognized, just send in your nomination. Yeah, help us. You know, we want to recognize the great athletes in the, in the area, so help us do that. We would love nothing more. But that'll just about do it for or Mikey looks like you got Yeah, to I just say. wanna wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Of course we'll be back before New Year's, but uh we hope you have a happy and a safe holiday and uh you know, we're looking forward. Here we go. Another year coming up now, uh pretty soon before you know it. Track, baseball, softball, you know, all bunches of sports coming up. And before you know it, we'll be doing seven on seven and Football practice will be starting. Yeah, and it'll be hot again. I'm loving the weather right now. So let's let's keep it this way for a while. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you back here next week on The Grid.